Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment, visit our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now let's kick in with today's episode, which is going to be about how to leverage technology so you crush your sales goals. This is a topic you may have heard about a thousand times, but I promise you that today we're going to be taking a completely different look at it from what we've seen before, which may possibly be a new point of view for you as well. We hear about automation, bots, artificial intelligence, and all this other stuff, email marketing, social media marketing, uh, you know, Promo Republic, Hootsuite, uh, all these different, different things out there. And sometimes I think that the whole idea of leveraging technology so you crush your sales goals gets too focused on the technology itself, where we start to have debates about what's the best autoresponder to use. Now, I'm here to tell you that the actual discussion we should be having is a bit more deep than that. It's a bit higher level than that. And that's what we're going to do today. Again, how to leverage technology so you crush your sales goals. And with us today, we have somebody who I wanted to have on Business Creators Radio for a long time. His name is Jesse Scheckinger. And he is the founder of tryoncourse.com. Tryoncourse.com. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Jesse. He is the laziest salesman in America as well as the Vice President of Sales for the Encore Sales Engagement Platform. Jesse is passionate about leveraging technology and automation to surpass revenue targets so he can help protect golf and bar time for the salespeople of the world. Okay, I don't really golf and I don't go to bars, but if he can get me into more cigar shops, I'm happy with that. Jesse won annual sales records at two different Fortune 500 companies. His 20, well, actually, I'm going to let him tell you that part, but let's just uh, get to where he's going right now. He spends time educating sales leaders to utilize the most effective sales tool in the world, and he co-hosts the, as he says, mediocre podcast called Tech Tales, although I don't really think it's all that mediocre. I've checked it out myself, and I, I would suspect that if you were to check it out, Tech Tales, with Jesse Scheckinger, I think you would find it to be a pretty interesting show just like ours. At any rate, enough of this jibber-jabber. Jesse Scheckinger, come on in. The weather's fine. Oh, fantastic. Adam, thank you so much for having me. I uh, really appreciate it on the Business Creators Radio Show. I read off a good part of your bio. Now, as you may be aware, before we dive in, to our episodes, we right around this point, we typically have somebody who is in the audience, maybe multiple people, who have opened a separate browser tab and are now binging the Yahoo out of the Googles, trying to find out about this person we're interviewing, named Jesse Scheckinger. Let me spell that for our audience just to help out. G-E-S-S-I-E-S-C-H-E-C-H-I-N-G-E-R. You're welcome. 
So as you're looking up this individual, looking to discover more about him, since we have him right here next to me in the audience in the studio, let me ask you, Jesse, tell us a little bit about your journey and what's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. You may recall I left a little bit of an open loop there just a moment ago. Yeah, no, for sure. So, um, Adam, predominantly I'm a professional peddler. Uh, since ever I can remember as a kid selling, I call it experienced golf balls to people on the golf course, to grilled cheese sandwiches, to construction workers, to tires, to inside sales, cold calling, end up doing field sales, traveling all over the place. Um, and largely that's what I've done. And um, I would say that you could be effective, but I'd say that I'm the lazy sales guy in America because what I've tried to do is really just get out the brainless stuff. And I'm sure if you have any former sales guys or people that have worked in sales, they'll tell you like, you really just want to get paid to talk and you don't want to do any of the paperwork or the other nonsense. Um, and so that's what I've done. And we've, uh, and really just kind of been passionate about all the fun technology out there and what we can do to, uh, to use some of it. To our awesome. Fantastic. So we have a lot of areas we can cover here, and I know you ran some things by me in the green room. So this may be in a particular order, and it may feel to the listener like maybe we're kind of jumping around a little bit. You might get that impression, but stay with us till the end because you'll see how this all comes together and explains how to properly leverage technology. So I alluded in my intro to how people misinterpret the idea of what it means to leverage technology so you crush your sales goals. So what I'd like to do is just, in your words, have us share your definition of what that term means, leveraging technology. Yeah, so what I would say is that what that means is finding sales tools that can be complementary to your personal sales process. Finding where the gaps in your time are on activities that you don't actually need to do and find particular solutions and most of them SaaS solutions that can fill those gaps and also just make your life easier. I'm all about, and again, no golf or no bar, but I love a great cigar as well. So creating more time for salespeople to do what they want. Um, and so to leverage that is really just finding the holes in your process and finding the best possible solutions to fill those gaps in with. Absolutely. Uh, for our listeners, could you define what a SaaS is? Yeah, so that is software as a solution. Okay. And so all of those things are, example, Calendly and um, QuickBooks and all that kind of stuff are just services that are software-based. Yeah, you've already been in touch with a couple of my softwares just to get to this point. Either you or um, I know as a media personality, you have an agent who represents you. So they touched one of our softwares which is the system through which we collect the information to have guests on Business Creators Radio. And I'm not sure exactly who scheduled the date and time, whether they did it for you or you did it for you, but somebody touched our Schedule Once application to put you in for today's episode. So there's two pieces right there where software as a solution is very simple form comes into play. When you have that mindset, you begin to think a little bit bigger because it's a little bit more than, as I alluded to earlier, well, what's the best autoresponder to use? Now you're looking at it as a software that solves a problem more than, well, should I use MailChimp or, or, or ActiveCampaign or One Shopping Cart or Infusionsoft, which 
typically the answers you get to questions like that on discussion forums are like, well, um, um, if you don't use the one that I recommend, you're not really in business. And uh, here's my affiliate link. <laughs> but how does that yeah. answer the question for the person who wants to use automation? <laughs> <laughs> I know everyone's got their own opinion and it really is like, to, like swimming in a sea of SaaS, right? Yeah. And there are, believe it or not, like our mother company, ZipTech, that owns OnCourse is a custom development shop. And like we literally were building a tool for people to manage their SaaS projects. So like it's SaaS on SaaS. It's pretty crazy. Nice. nice. I love that. I love that. We may have to come back to that if we have time. Um, now, a few minutes ago or a few moments ago, I mentioned the names of a few different platforms that sometimes come up in the conversation of what's the best autoresponder to use. And what's also interesting about them is that some of them are CRMs. Some of them think they're CRMs and some of them, you have people who want them to be CRMs so bad they'll swear they're CRMs even though they're not. Uh, so what we'd like to do here is a two-part question, Jesse, if you could. First of all, if you could define for us what a CRM is. Again, we just want to give our listeners a good glossary. And then compare that to a sales engagement platform. And what are the differences between those two things? Yeah, sure. So a CRM stands for Customer Relationship Management. And the first time I started telling people that OnCourse was a sales uh, engagement platform, they're like, oh, cute. You have fun words for CRM. Um, and, but there is actually a real difference. So CRM is largely used to store your contacts, store your history um, right. of maybe what's happened with those contacts. There's also usually a pipeline uh, portion to that that lets you uh -huh. track opportunities and enter opportunities, things of that nature. Where we kind of uh, cross the wall into uh, engagement is where we bolt on the communication tools, right? And so we're bolting on things like a phone dialer. We're bolting on email automation, SMS automation. We're doing LinkedIn um, plugins and tools. And so not only are we collecting the information and storing it like a CRM, but we're also facilitating how the communication's going out and automizing, automizing, nice. Uh, automizing, yeah. auto, Automating and optimizing how that works. Nice. And, nice. Create, and creating words, apparently. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, I always say, if I can't remember the word for it, I'll just make one up. <laughs> Fair enough. So, but yeah, I mean, the sales engagement thing and um, there's a couple on the market, right? And so there's us as OnCourse, there is um, Sales Loft as well and a company called Outreach.io. They're probably our direct competitors, um, but they bolt on to Salesforce. We're more of a standalone type tool. Um, but these are different tools that really, how they go past the CRM is that kind of communication and automating that part and then providing most importantly, the analytics, because the reason that anybody even cares about any of this stuff is you need to drive value and it's got to bring value into your company. You don't want another, I've never talked to a business owner that's like, Ooh, yes, let's take another fixed business expense. That's awesome. Um, it's usually you have to invest in something that's going to bring value. And so by having that um, all come together, it really it gives you the reporting and analytics that I always say it gives you a compass heading, right? Where you can kind of gauge some information and figure out where you need to steer the ship. Right, right. And I think that's a, a really good distinction. And what I caught, what I caught is that uh, I've now recognizing a lot of people use the term CRM 
and what they're actually referring to is a sales engagement platform. So it's kind of interesting how you have that juxtaposition of terms. So this is an answer that I'm not sure is the same for everybody, but maybe you can give us a framework to start with. What role should software play in the sales process? Okay, so the, here's the thing. You cannot let your sales tool take the personal touch out of sales. There's probably a million salespeople that are screaming at me right now that say, I do nothing but relationship selling and there's absolutely no place for software in what I do, right? And what I would say is that everyone to a degree is a special little snowflake, but I guarantee you, here's a great example. You're going out, you have a, maybe a face-to-face -face meeting with somebody, you get out of the car, everything's fresh in your head. What, what do I want to do? I want to send that follow-up email, but it's going to be a little weird if I just walk out the door and send a follow-up email immediately. And so going into a tool where I can schedule that to fire off first thing tomorrow morning so I can kind of re-engage and do some of that stuff. And then I can automate those other follow-ups and like, let's take step two through three and let's automate those things. You're still giving it your personal touch, but you're putting it in an order. Um, the other area that I would say it plays is organizing, right? And typically there are patterns and maybe later on we can get into a little bit of how um, scheduled cadences and sequences and that kind of stuff work. But there are usually patterns of behavior and you realize if you do a couple things in order, you can start seeing results. And so being able to automate some of those steps, I mean, I'm sure, Adam, you've heard like, you know, you need six touches to a sale or seven touches to a sale. Or I've heard, it's, I've heard it's 13 touches to a sale. So, I mean, I mean, it just depends on what system you're subscribing to. I once yeah. heard it was 21 touches to a sale. And that's because of, in part, all this automation we have in 2019, 2020 and beyond. Yeah, well, I mean, there's an organization um, called Topo, and they actually study um, these outreaches. And so according to their data, an inbound lead, it takes 8 to 10. An outbound lead, it takes 14 to 16. And an account-based lead takes 16 to 20. So I think all of us are correct. <laughs> right, yeah. I think that's, I think that's a, a great frame of reference because, uh, you know, I – have seen a couple different trends. One of which, and I think this is a prevalent one, is that uh, folks want to just automate absolute everything. Automate, 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 automate. To the point where you have artificial intelligence and messenger bots. And I have seen folks try so hard to, and I want to get, actually I want to get your thoughts on this. Let me share an opinion, and then I want to get your thoughts on it. I see folks who go so far to craft conditional logic for messenger bots to replicate a conversation that they miss the point that folks are going to know, generally speaking, as soon as they engage with that bot that it is in fact a bot and they're perfectly okay with that bot itself not having all the answers but simply being a guide. They're not necessarily looking to have a two hour conversation with a bot, <laughs> but people put so much emphasis into that, creating that conditional logic to manufacture a conversation that inevitably it gets exposed. And in my opinion, this is where I want to, to get your thoughts as the subject matter expert here. It actually can cost you a lot of sales because people end up feeling alienated from the process. Uh, you're 100% correct. And I get into some of these things where I actually just keep asking questions like, let's just see how dirty this thing's going to get. Right. Um, and I don't think that people are easily fooled. Um, and 
there is a role for that to play. But I think that you, to your point, you have to be very transparent of, you know, I'm your virtual assistant here to answer select amount of questions. And yeah. there's a way that you could position it where it's like, okay, this is what this is. But if you say like, oh, I'm Johnny, you know, with XYZ company, it's like, oh, okay, sweet. I got a dude. And then you ask him a complex question and it's like, great, sure. Let me have your email address and I'll follow up with you. Like it's, it's like, dude, we get it. There's not somebody there. No one's monitoring this. But then occasionally you will get people. So for example, how our process works on our website is it goes into a tool that is very much like Slack, but it's called Rocket Chat. It's okay. an open source version of Slack. Um, but it goes into a Slack channel where actually we do have a people or it actually comes and it says like, hey, sorry, we're sleeping right now. So we'll get, we'll get back to you later. Leave us a message. And so I do think I agree with you in the part that if you try to position yourself too much as a person, that it gets really dirty and dangerous. The other thing, um, so we do a large amount of our selling, um, for better or worse, over LinkedIn. And one of the things that I think is a giveaway, and this is just poor automation and marketing, is like, if you wrote a four-paragraph letter to me in LinkedIn Messenger, I'm pretty sure it's a copy and paste. Like, you did not take the time. I'm pretty sure it's not getting stuff. read. <laughs> I mean, I, I, people have the attention uh, span that can be measured in nanoseconds and I'm the guiltiest yeah. of all. Like I'm a guy who reads the news. I read the headline and that's about it. I carry on with my day. Same thing with emails. Like you got maybe a second paragraph out of me, but if there's not something good in the first two sentences, uh, I'm out. And so yeah. I tell all my guys, I'm like, when it comes to emails in LinkedIn, shorter, the better. Cause you're going to find out real quick. Um, that's like an easy copy copy and paste. And that's, and that's what I think also, you know, Adam gives automation such a, a poor reputation is the yeah. way that people are using it. And I mean, I think that we're in a point in our society where almost everyone could sniff a template coming from a mile away. Right. Um, and there are researches, right? So there's studies that show that, you know, so if I want to sell Adam something, I have to, I know almost for verifiable fact that the first time, the first six times that I email you, you're like waking up in the morning and just deleting that stuff, right? Like yes. you have to recognize like the first yeah. part of your day, you're going in, you're deleting all the trash. And like, I'm hoping to just catch like a little glimpse of maybe subconsciously you recognize my name. And yeah. then you also have these guys, I love these people. It's like Tim McGraw and Rachel Ray are emailing you. They try right. to use funny names to, to get that working. But um, I know you're going to delete the first six. And so I don't even really have to put a lot of work into those first six. And some guys just play the numbers game that way, which I think is a bit short-sighted. Um, but they plow through all that stuff. And then email 789, there's a shot at you maybe reading something. But I, I, one thing I want to make sure your listeners do understand is that email is very much alive. And if you're not using it, you're missing the boat. And it's the greatest ROI in the history of the world. Whoa. Fact. Do you know <laughs> how many notes I took while you were giving that? Holy moly, you touched on so many buttons let me let me briefly state the ways i'm sorry all, i'm sorry I no just no no this, this is up. this is great this is great first of all linkedin messages you said right. if it seems like it's going to go on more than a couple paragraphs it's probably a copy paste message okay if i see a linkedin message it goes on more than a couple paragraphs i'm pretty sure i'm never going to pay attention to anything that person ever has to say fact because they've revealed themselves from the jump 
as putting me into some sort of pre-programmed manufactured conversation that's about them. Uh, so you, when you start to see the three paragraphs, especially um, like, let's say, Jesse, I got to ask you, have you ever gotten a LinkedIn message where somebody asked, hey, Jesse, so great we could connect. I was wondering, have you ever heard of sales automation? <laughs> Has that ever happened? Of course. Exactly. It's, it's happened to everybody. Uh, because it, because what, what you may think when you write messages like that, that, you're making it about the other person because you're helping them identify as somebody who, to follow your example, no sales automation. But what they're really doing is making it about them because they themselves have something they want to sell you that's related to sales automation. So blah, 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 go on, go on, go on. Free so, consult, opt into my special report. Okay, that's definitely one that uh, I'm not going to be reading. Yeah, no, 100%. And uh, the interesting thing about selling on LinkedIn is that people don't understand you're doing a very delicate dance because yeah. people are coming on here, this platform, for a couple of reasons. One, I mean, you're either going to be entertained or educated. Right. Yeah. And those are usually the two things. And there is a social part of it where they do just want to connect with others and learn different things. And you have to run a really fine line around that education thing, because if somebody like I would say, um, you know, just kind of throws up their value, throws, throws up their value prop, like straight out of the gate. Yep. Um, that's not going to go well for you. Um, how we train our team, our SCR teams is that I want to recognize that a, they're leveraging their own personal network and that they need to be very, they need to understand what they're doing and not just be, you know, just don't be a company man throwing stuff up. I mean, we, you need to go and you need to have a formal introduction with this person. You need to follow up and learn more about what they're doing. Find out if there is a business problem there that's worth solving. And you mm -hmm. literally, like we call it connecting, but we don't do much of the connecting part. So right. we're really trying to do that. And the thing is, is, I mean, as salespeople, and I'm the most guilty of all, patience is not really in the engine, so to speak. Right. And so you just like, oh, dude, I could smash through a thousand of these. I'm going to rip this stuff like right now. <laughs> and like, he's like, dude, like slow down. <laughs> like, just it's okay. These people aren't going anywhere. And like we're yeah. our, our automation. So we actually, we have a Chrome plugin. Um, that goes along with OnCourse. And I don't know if you, how much um, outreach you've done via LinkedIn, but if you, let's say that you have like a hundred messages going, right? Yeah. Good luck scrolling down to find out where that thing started and who you started with. Yes. It's unmanageable. You keep scrolling down. It keeps loading like five at a time. And you're just like, oh my gosh, bullet to the head. So what our tool does is it automatically captures the LinkedIn client information and then throws them into an outreach sequence. And instead of utilizing templates, um, it puts you in a sequence of tasks. So it really just schedules the follow-ups on when the appropriate time. And obviously we toy with these things, right? Because any successful uh, market strategy has got to have a very unique touch pattern and some things are appropriate and you really have to be able to change at the speed. So some people are on LinkedIn every single day. Some people are check their LinkedIn like once a quarter. And so you have to know the kind of people that you're doing with and schedule accordingly, but at least it gets you a nice frame and gets you on a schedule to remind you to touch those people. And that's really, as I call it, you know, just brainless work of just getting notified like, oh yeah, I can go to that. It makes it so much easier to navigate when you have a tool like that. 
Exactly, exactly. Now, the next note that I took, and I appreciate you sharing that with us, by the way, is less is more. I have found that I'm more likely to respond to a LinkedIn message when they ask a simple question that makes no assumptions. Uh, I have found that when they make a very specific micro ask, I'm more likely to comply with it. Uh, I found that when we do the same thing with our LinkedIn marketing, we get more engagement from the person we're t attempting to connect with. So uh, if I connect with somebody, I might, uh, because I might look at their profile and I may think that I know what they're doing with their business or what they, you know, what apps they're using, what tools they're using, whether or not they're involved in uh, being a host or a guest of a podcast. But I don't know that for absolute sure because who knows how completely they filled out their LinkedIn profile. So, yeah. uh, so I might ask a question like, uh, say something like, like, uh, hey, Jesse, thanks for connecting. Um, just wondering, are you involved in podcasting? If so, how? Yeah, sweet, simple, to the point, right? Yeah, and, 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 and you can say no, in which case I'd say, huh, is that something you might be interested in? Or you might say something like, yeah, as a matter of fact, I do have a show, and, uh, and it's about this, and would you like to be on, or I'm looking for this type of guest, do you know somebody? So it could open that type of conversation. By starting with something simple that doesn't make assumptions, you're more likely to get that engagement. Less is more. Let's also look at digital literacy, which requires short phrases and nanosecond attention spans. And let's look at, you know, you mentioned yourself, you know, go back through 100 messages and good luck trying to find out where it all started. Well, we're looking at our social media, including our LinkedIn message inbox on smartphones. And that's a very small field. So if you have three or four paragraphs and somebody sees they're going to have to scroll up and then up and then up and then up, uh, they find out pretty quickly that they're just going to lose interest and they're going to set aside to go back to never. Oh, 100%. And like, I just, I love to talk to salespeople and it's like, okay, let me ask you a question. When's the last time that you read a four paragraph email from somebody you didn't know? Uh, but look, I can tell you the last time I read a four paragraph email from somebody I did know. Um, <laughs> I, can, I can tell you, I looked at it and I saw it was long paragraphs. There was no digital literacy. It went on and on and on. Um, I didn't even read it. I uh, actually just without even reading it, replied to it and said, uh, too complex. Bullet uh, uh, here's what I wrote. Too complex. Bullet points or schedule with Adam.com. <laughs> which means in other words put it in bullet points or schedule a call yeah exactly and that's the problem is people want to write these war and peace long emails and yeah. it's like listen if it's more than a couple of paragraphs to your point adam get on the phone let's talk about it well there yeah there, there's some there's something else too um you've heard the, abbre the abbreviation or perhaps have heard the abbreviation tldr which frequently you see on reddit stories at the very end it summarizes that whole story in one sentence tldr literally stands for too long didn't read so <laughs> exactly. let's say that you're composing an email and there's just a lot of detail you need to get out there one way or the other there's just no avoiding it's gonna be one of those longer emails so what you can do to increase the chances that email gets read is at the very top, put what I call a TLDR statement at the top. In other words, summarize in one sentence, what is the point? Or if the purpose of the email is to respond to something or make a recommendation, summarize it in one sentence and then say, if you need further detail, here it is. And then you can write till the cows come home. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, of course. And again, we in society today, we have so many different communication channels and way to connect with each other that people always also have a preference. You know, some people yeah. don't mind being sold on LinkedIn. Some people don't mind going back and forth in email. Some people would rather, I mean, right. Like, I was pretty much shocked and we have a very hard, fast rule about you can't do cold outreach with SMS, but the amount of people that are transitioning, it's almost like a relationship thing where they could transition from email to text. It's like a thing. It's like our relationship just went to the next level, Adam. We're texting yeah. now. I, 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 get what you, I get what you mean. Um, you know, uh, like, like me, for example, if anybody has followed me on social media for any amount of time, they know my feelings about uh, – wanting to be on the telephone never <laughs> like I'm even reluctant to get paid for it some days candidly I have to I have to mentally prepare myself even when I'm getting paid for it candidly uh, which is why which is why when somebody schedules a call with me through schedulewithadam.com they have the opportunity to tell me what they want to discuss so that I can read those notes in advance and I can show up ready to rock and roll Exactly. And that actually, that actually gives me the energy that gets me excited about doing it. So I'm using the technology, the, the software as a solution to actually benefit my mental state and help me be of better service. So think about those things as well. So, um, so anyway, I need to, I, you know, I'm in, I was in the process of launching a venture and I wanted to do some outreach networking with some of my uh, centers of influence and people I know who uh, I wanted to get their thoughts on it. So now if I had, um, started cold calling these people anybody receiving any of those cold calls would have thought a he's desperate and must be broke or <laughs> b he's listening to some sales coach who's telling him to do something that he's doing through gritted teeth and i can hear him growling in this message and he didn't want to leave so i ain't cold calling <laughs> well and so that is that's actually a really funny point that you yeah. bring up so when i started in sales i was kind of just in one of those boiler room type S environments where we had to do 450 calls a week. Uh, and... been, there, been there, done that, been there, done that. <laughs> and so we're smashing through these dials and everything. And so now we get to a position where I have my own team. I got, we have AEs, account executives. We have SDRs who are the sales development representatives. And these people are like, they're demo centers, right? Like they try to get people in the software. And it is eerily quiet on that floor and it's something that i had to just kind of get over because it was just kind of this old of like are these people even working like what's happening uh -huh. um but they're i mean they're crushing through linkedin demos are getting on the board things actually uh -huh. is going on and i talked to the one guy i was like how come like we got this awesome dialer how come you're not using it it's like i get stuck like three minutes on a phone tree to get through just to leave somebody a voicemail and i'm not even sure right. it's the right person if I'm on LinkedIn, I'm going exactly to the source. And while it might be a longer sell, we talked about that previously, if you got to do the dance, you have to do the thing, you're getting to the right person and you know who that person is. So it's, it was crazy to me to just hear how quiet our sales floor was. Um, and for in the very beginning, it stressed me out a little bit, but then the numbers came and I was like, all right, they know what they're doing. Right. Uh, yeah. So we're, so we're, that, that's, you're absolutely right about that. So where I was, um, so where I was going with that is um, I, I'm never going to cold call and uh, it's just not, it's not going to happen. However, what I would, will do is take into account some of the things that you just said right there. People, you know, they go through phone trees and are not even sure if they're leaving a message for the right person. And then think about what goes into a voicemail. 
you have to leave the voicemail. Then you have to, somebody has to listen to it. So I make jokes about this in my book, Groundhog Days, an event, not a business strategy. I make a whole rant about how people set up their voicemail greeting where it says, hi, I'm on the phone or away from my desk. No, you're not. (laughs) Because because some boss told you that that was the required script for you to use your, I mean, really you're on the phone or away from your desk. So let me, so let me guess, uh, other than your mandated 30 minute lunch and two 15 minute breaks from between eight o'clock and five o'clock PM. If I leave a voicemail for you, I'm guaranteed a call back within 10 minutes. Cause right now you're just either on the phone or you're on your, one of your short breaks. But the second you get back, you're going to download my voicemail, listen to it, get all excited and call me right back. Anybody <laughs> believes that one, rub your forehead and rub your forehead in a circular motion while rubbing your tummy in the opposite <laughs> circle for an hour nonstop. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> so, uh, uh, it's pretty funny. I, I think it's funny about the script. Now I got to rethink my voicemail message. Just maybe just re-record it to saying, "I'm not really feeling this conversation right now." Leave a message. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what? Actually, you might get. You might want. You actually want to test that because. When people hear stuff like that, they think, oh, this Jesse, <laughs> he seems like a pretty down-to-earth, funny guy, and hey, I can relate. Uh, I'm going to leave him a voicemail. I hope he calls me back. He sounds funny. <laughs> <laughs> I might enjoy a chat with him. <laughs> so uh, anyway, to, to, get, to cap this, and I think you and I have had a great back and forth on some of the impediments and how uh, software as a solution can help with the sales process, just some of these things we're griping and commiserating about. I need to reach out to a bunch of people about my new venture. So here's what I did. I went to the, my social media inboxes, Facebook or LinkedIn, and I picked 50 people and I just sent the following message. Uh, I'll pretend like I addressed it to you. I said, Jesse, I would love to get five to 10 minutes of your time. As you may have seen, I just kicked off in-demand expert in soft launch mode, which takes a new approach to podcast live stream booking. I'd love to get your thoughts on it. If you're able to help, how can I get on your calendar for a quick chat? I sent that to um, 50 people, uh, went and watched, uh, watched a speech on television for an hour and a half, and came back and had 24 responses, all positive, and 13 appointments the next day. In fact, I learned a lesson. Never schedule a 15-minute appointment without putting a 15-minute buffer, because sometimes it takes 15 minutes just to say hello. <laughs> that's, right? that's, absolutely, or, or that's absolutely some, true or what happens is you run into somebody who you ask them for 15 minutes but they but they are so happy to help you they got 30 minutes to give you well and then and, you, the and, then, and then you're pushing the next call but the, but the point being is how effective that strategy was and when you look at the, what the actual ask was is how do i get on your calendar for a quick chat i didn't ask a question like Hey, when can you talk? Which would require them to look at their calendar. I didn't say something like, um, what's your number so I can call you? What, so they can listen to a voicemail? Or, hey, what about tomorrow at 3? Yeah, tomorrow at 3, I'm going to be petting my cat. I'm not going to answer the phone for you. In fact, I'm, I'm going to stay away from my phone because you said you were going to call. I mean, uh, uh, because I just don't want to have a conversation with somebody tomorrow. Those are some <laughs> of the reactions we get in real time. When I phrased it as, hey, how can I get on your calendar for a quick chat? What I was doing is I was saying to them the following things. Number one, I know you're extremely busy. I respect that and I honor that. Number two, I believe that you are such a high-end player that you have your software as a solution in place working for you. Number three, I want to use that. So basically, how do I get on your calendar? 
And what it showed, because almost half of those people that, uh, that wrote back to me, the response read something like, glad to help. And then they pasted their schedule link. That was the whole, that was the whole reply. Oh, and it's phenomenal. And I think like what you actually also proved in that outside of what you just stated was not only did you share your competency of how business is conducted, but you also conveyed a respect of time. Yeah. Right? And I think that really resonates with people because today everyone's fighting for your time, right? And so when somebody comes, it's just kind of presenting like, I understand how this game's played. Yeah. When people, heard, when people who uh, saw that you were going to be on Business Creators Radio Show saw the title, Leveraging Technology So You Crush Your Sales Goals, they immediately were thinking a couple things. They were thinking about text message marketing. We touched a little bit on that. They were thinking about social media marketing and messaging. We touched a little bit on that. And uh, you and I have been sort of doing a happy dance around one of the big elephants in the room, email marketing. We agree it still works. How's it working for you? Okay, so this gets into a broader conversation and how you use it. So when I say the greatest ROI of all time, I simply mean that it costs you almost nothing and the benefits you get are tremendous. Now, every, like I said, it's important that you put all these things because you need to have multiple touches. You need to have those touches over different days. And it's also important to use different channels. And again, we're testing the water. So this is a new outreach where you're cold prospecting to people you don't know very well. And the way that email works uh, in our organization and for previous organizations I've worked in is we use it a part of what I would say is a scheduled cadence. Now, a scheduled or controlled cadence goes something like this, right? So day one, maybe we're doing pre-call research. We're finding out who is a good prospect, right? Day two, we have a very account-centered message where, you know, we're going to hit you with a quick, I know that we already talked about not liking this, but we are going to do a little voicemail, email, and hit you on LinkedIn, right? After that, we're going to give it another day. We're going to also shoot you another email. Hopefully after that, you've connected with us. We're then going to follow up with another call, and then we're going to do another LinkedIn message. And we kind of, we twist in turn with these. So one of the things that I think has been awesome in uh, email marketing has been, have you seen the uh, video embedded messages? Of course. Yeah. So when I first saw that, um, I thought it was so cool. And this um, lovely saleswoman, she had a dry erase board and she had wrote, you know, Jesse want to talk to you on the dry erase board. And my name's Jesse with a G. She spelled it correctly. And so that's always, you know, pretty impressive to me as mom was a creative lady. So she, I hit this and I was like, you know, that was fantastic. It captured my direction. I told everyone, I'm like, from now on, we're doing video email. Let's get it rocking. Um, and then we sent all of these things. And it was a dud. I was like, why? I don't understand. And that's how what we talked about previously, where everyone deletes the first six. That's how I learned that lesson, right? And we started playing with where we time and where we put those things in. And as soon as we started putting in that sixth or seventh message of the thread, that's when the engagement happened. And that's when we started getting people pull in. And those things are so cool because I don't know, um, there's tools for your listeners um, like Vidyard or Loom 
um, are great tools that allow you to do these. And it only takes like two minutes to do and you throw it in an email. And quite frankly, again, I think I've demonstrated I'm not a big reader. And so I'm way more likely to listen to you via video than I am. Like that's where you can kind of get those three paragraphs out is in a video because now I'm just linking and watching you. And so it's a really, really good way to leverage email for sure. Yeah, I'll remind everybody to please be sure to subscribe to Business Creators Radio Show on your favorite syndication network so you can download amazing free coaching sessions like the one you just got. That was fantastic. Oh, great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for that. I mean, that was, a, that was a great layout of how you can integrate technologies with your email marketing and how you can position your email marketing. Now, to me, um, when it comes to email marketing, I agree with everything you said and a couple things that I would just inject uh, since we're having a conversation here is remember, I'm going to quote the late, great Dan Pointer, the god of self-publishing. And if he said that to his face, he'd nod and smile. I met the man, I know. Uh, great guy. And he would say over and over again, yes, a book is judged by its cover. Regardless of that old truism, don't judge a book by its cover. A book is absolutely judged by its cover. By the same token, an email is judged by its subject line. Very true. So I, in my, in my work, because uh, I do some private work as a copywriter, it's not something where you can call me up and say, hey, you write an autoresponder sequence for me? I pick you. It doesn't go the other way, just to be clear. But anyway, <laughs> um, I just want to put that out there. Uh, I do some of this work and every so often I'll get pushback from clients. Uh, one example would be, uh, it was the day before their webinar. So I was, uh, I put together a webinar promotion sequence and the day before the, well, actually not the day before, the morning of the webinar, I crafted an email that, uh, that and the subject line was, here's your login link for today's webinar. And this was sent to the people who had not signed up for the webinar yet. Now, what, now another role I have with uh, clients is we don't go through proofreading and back and forth and such. You give me the keys, I write it, and if you don't like it, that's just how it is. Uh, <laughs> because I know what I'm doing. We, yeah, if I'm doing ghostwriting for somebody, we actually have a 30-day introduction process where for the first 30 days, they actually do review everything before it goes out and they do it in such a way that helps me capture their voice quickly so that I can act autonomously from that point forward. So there's actually a structure behind that. Don't think I expect people to swallow stuff they don't like. In fact, I put a lot of effort into adapting my client's voice. But at any rate, I, I sent out this email and, uh, and, then I, and then I got a message back from the client says, this email is an absolute flat out lie and I don't appreciate dishonesty to my audience. I'm thinking, what? <laughs> um, and then, and then they went on to say, this is stupid. Uh, nobody likes it. I'm getting a thousand complaints about it. And uh, this just ruined my webinar. And so my first question was, send me the list of everybody who complained. Actually, the entire list was their spouse who called from the next room. Uh, Honey, I got this real funny email from you. That was the extent of this barrage of complaints. As far as the, oh, the webinar, nobody was signing up. Their registration went up by 43% tracked to that one email. Third, how was it a lie? I said, here's the link for, here's, here's the link for today's webinar. So you open up this email. 
and there's a link. It's the link you click on so that you can sign up for the webinar. That is a link to today's webinar. Fact. But the bottom line was 43% growth. And this is where the subject line, the email was judged by a subject line. And contrary to somebody who missed the point of the email, who happened to be the one paying for it, just that's how it works sometimes, completely misjudging the entire context, uh, that was an email being judged by its cover, and they were giving it a thumbs up. Why that was so such a powerful email? It's a pattern interrupt. They're thinking, what, link for today's webinar? I don't remember signing up for any webinar. What's this? Click uh, open. Now they see the pitch, and they say, yeah, I think I'll sign up for that. Click, signed up. Now, what's really cool about that is if you have a software as a solution, and you can integrate email marketing with that in such a way where when people click on the link in the email that says sign up now, it's tracked back to you, the recipient in the database and automatically registers them without having to fill out an opt-in form. And I believe there are some out there that do that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, so that's what, I, that's what I think of sometimes when I think of how we use uh, software as a solution, SaaS, and the power of email marketing is that uh, effective email marketing creates pattern interrupts. And I'll also mention, just going back to that response that you, uh, I had so many things I pulled out of. They're going to delete the first six emails, you said. Correct. I've, all, I've always said that a good rule of thumb is that, um, is that uh, one out of, you know, that if you get one out of 10 people reading your email and your average subscriber reading one out of 10 of your emails, you're doing, you're doing decent baseline work that you can improve upon, but at least you have a solid foundation. I stand by that. And by what you're saying, it's the first six, you're actually being that expectation if we go by your set of expectations. And the fact is, they're going to see, uh, they're going to see Jesse Scheckinger, Jesse Scheckinger, Jesse Scheckinger. They start to see him five, six days in a row. And eventually, they may think, you know what? This guy, he's always in my inbox. I'm at least going to open up and see what he has to say. Yeah. That's where you get a conversation going. Yeah. And it's one of those things where something happens psychologically where it's like, all right, this dude's not going away. Like, what is it? You know, right. and it's not that you're trying to annoy people, but you have a lot of noise that you have to cut through. And that repeat of just kind of hitting them a couple of times um, is, is necessary to get through. And the other thing, Adam, that I think is really uh, interesting is the lack of prep time people put in to what we'll say is their prospect list, Right. And you're about to put somebody in what I consider a really powerful sequence. And if you, it's very tempting to just get like 10,000 names off of Zoom info and upload that spreadsheet and just let it hammer through. <laughs> I think that goes back to your point of like when somebody emails you, you know, a really annoying LinkedIn long message, they've lost credibility with you like instantaneously, right? And if you're even with your doing your email marketing and even though they're gonna be deleted, you need to make sure that you have a strong message for that market and that you are saying something that's relevant to their job and function. You know, I mean, that's where you can get really sideways fast with people. Like nothing's more annoying than somebody tries to sell me what I'm selling. And you can't believe how many times it happens. It's like, dude, I'm your competitor. Oh, my bad. 
You know, it's like a little bit of research you would have got there. Right. Precise. Precisely. I think you're. I think you're absolutely correct about that. So, um, what does, in your vision, the future of sales look like? In the time we have left, let's kind of look forward a little bit. So this is where things are getting really interesting, and it's going to get really cool. Um, everyone since time immemorial has had a pipeline and they've always kind of said like, I'm 70% that this guy's going to close. And you do a lot of that, lick your finger, put it, put it in the air, kind of gauging of where somebody is in the sales cycle. Uh, one of the things that I think is getting really cool is how proficient we're getting with our pipelines. Um, I know at OnCourse we have multiple pipelines and we have these sequences. We're trying to grab all this data and where I think that this is all headed and what our team and others like ours are working on is you can take today. So you can basically, you can start to calculate how many touches are required to sell somebody. And there's a thing called, are you familiar with sentiment analysis? So sentiment analysis being that whole, you know, you can kind of like, I, I talked to Adam and he was pleasant and happy and okay, Jesse talks to people, they're happy. I always like to make fun of our CEO, Cash, Cash talks to Adam and Adam's grumpy, you know, so maybe yeah. Cash isn't doing a great job. And so we take this sentiment analysis, then you match it with the amount of tasks, touches in those types. And we're gonna start to see some real precision and where people are on the sales cycle and the buyer's journey and when they're going to be able to actually be pushed to close. And I think that's getting very calculated and very real. Um, the other thing that I think people, um, especially like my father, my father also career long sales guy, you know, full suit every day, handkerchief, scarf in the pocket, going around, beating doors. Um, I, he traveled his whole life as a field guy. I think that the sales job is coming behind a computer. I think that we are finding out that people are sitting in office all day and making just as much revenue as people that travel all over the country. Sure, yeah. there's gonna be some exceptions to that rule, but the way things are headed and the technology we have, analytics is gonna drive all, and we're gonna really catch people in the buyer journey. When I say buyer's journey, it's really people who are already that 50% on their way to buy your product and how we analyze what you're doing is we're going to catch you at the right time. And it's going to start really driving revenues. And that's, I know where on course is eventually headed. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned finding people in the buyer's journey, you know, where they, where they are. And you mentioned, uh, you know, where people are physically sitting. That's actually a final point I had when you gave that response earlier. And I had so many things I wrote down. And you mentioned that a lot of people will check their email and they'll check their social messages first thing in the morning. Let me uh, take that even a little bit further. I typically check my messages somewhere mid to late morning, but here there, there's a couple guidelines I have about it. Number one, I don't do it first thing. Number two, I don't do it until I've already done something to make money for the day. The reason being, is if what's in those messages is about to send my day into a tailspin, at least I went into it on a winning streak. Either way, I'm going into it on a winning streak and my whole day is not lost at that point. And that's super interesting, little, Adam. Oh, I have. So um, I find it so cute when people send me emails and they put the word urgent in the subject line. In fact, I, <laughs> I kind of get tickled out of saying, I'll read that later. <laughs> because number one, are they paying me enough? 
so that their urgencies are mine, except for like seven people, the answer is no, number one. Number two, those people know that if they put urgent in a subject line and I don't see it immediately and I don't pounce on it and their little urgency just keeps going and going and going with no response from me, they already know they should have picked up the damn phone because they're close enough to me that they know my number. <laughs> I mean, so so there's, there's little things you have to just think about when you put things in perspective and when you look at email and you look at some of the things we're talking about now and catching people on the buyer journey and how we deal with people's attention spans and things like that it's a process that's, uh, that's it's a process and a lot of soft touches as you go along till you get there is my observation and that's so funny that you say that adam about the urgency and i just think the thought just popped in my head i'm like yeah nobody's uh emailed 911 right right that's not, that's not a thing <laughs> Like yeah, how urgent can it be if it's email is the communication channel that you chose? So that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I, only once have I ever actually had to call somebody out on this where they thought that Saturday afternoon would be a great time to send an email. And they put urgent in the subject line, even though it wasn't even anything all that important. They just wanted to see if I jumped. So I got to it in normal course on Monday. And they said, <laughs> I wrote e urgent in that subject line. It took you two days to get back to me said, yeah, next time it'll take four because <laughs> you're a paying client, which means when we did the very first transaction, I explained to you all the various ways that you could get a hold of me that the public doesn't know about that are your privilege because you're a paying client. How many of those did you use? <laughs> Software is a solution. Yep. Man, I tell you, it's, uh, it's an interesting world that we're selling in these days, no doubt about it. It, it is. And, you know, and I bring up some of these stories just so that uh, people get a sense of some of the reactions people are getting when you're giving, maybe not directly to them, but perhaps about them, when they reach out to folks uh, wanting to sell them something or market to them or connect with them towards building a relationship. I prefer the third term personally. That's just me. And, uh, and recognizing that regardless of those reactions when you properly use automation and leverage technology so you can crush your sales goals you can work past that so maybe if i have a snarky response to some email you sent me maybe i'll just a reflection of my mood in that moment doesn't mean you have to delete me from your list or it doesn't mean i'm going to rebel against you just keep going maybe tomorrow you'll, maybe tomorrow you'll say something to really tickle my fancy and i'll uh, and i'll dial you up and uh take your demo at tryoncourse.com and we'll do business who knows see product placement. Yeah, I love that. Appreciate <laughs> it, Adam. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I also um, I also acknowledge I made a little error at the very beginning of this when I was pronouncing it as try on course because I somehow I thought that that meant try courses or something, but it literally means try on course, which is the name of your product, your solution, on course. So tryoncourse.com, great domain. Uh, since we have just a couple minutes left, uh, why don't you, Jesse, why don't you tell us a little bit about how OnCourse works and if somebody is looking to take what they've discovered today to a higher level, how they can get started. Yeah, no, appreciate it. So um, OnCourse, again, sales engagement platform. And so it's a CRM. It's going to have everything you need from the CRM functionalities like pipeline management, history. It's a document storage thing. In addition to that, we have phone dialer. If you have any kind of MailChimp or constant contact, we have that bulk email technology built in, again, with the LinkedIn uh, uh 
Chrome plugin. We have uh, calendar scheduling, all the emails. It syncs with your email. And so instead of having to take notes, it automatically pulls your emails into the whether you fall in love with your Outlook or you send all your emails from your phone, it all gets correlated and indexed into OnCourse. And we have, like I said, we're at release one of four releases. Things are just going to get more and more cool. And, you know, especially for those of you who are starting out or quite frankly, those of you who maybe have six tools, the reason that we came up with this product was because our ZipTech, our mother company, we were paying for all kinds of stuff. And we just all of a sudden sat down one day, we realized how much we were paying, how much, how many different logins we were managing and fees, and none of them talked to each other. And so that's what we're trying to do, consolidate that space. And believe it or not, you get these things talking together, you start finding out how your business is winning and you drive revenue um, a lot. And so if you're interested anymore, please go to tryoncourse.com um, or you can find uh, me, Jesse Shekiger at LinkedIn and talk to me that way and I'm happy to answer any questions. Great, great, great. So thank you for sharing all that. And I'll say your domain one more time for you, www.tryoncourse.com. Uh, actually, I love the way that site is designed uh, and how convenient it is for somebody to get the demonstration of how it works. So I encourage everybody, just take a look at that and see how that works out for you. I think you'll be pleasantly pleased that you took the time to do so. So uh, for everybody listening, this has been an episode about how to leverage technology so you crush your sales goals. And I'd like to say once again to Jesse Scheckinger, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and an education. Hey, thanks so much, Adam. You're the best. All right. For everybody listening, uh, this has been another one of those great, fantastic episodes. And we trust you've enjoyed Business Creators Radio Show today. Check out our previous and our upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.